Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Traina, back for another week. This episode will feature an interview with Stu Gatz from the Dan Lebestard Show with Stu Gatz on ESPN and also his new podcast, Stupidity. We have a little history, me and Stu Gatz, even though we've never spoken or met, and you'll hear all about that on the podcast. He was great. Uh, talked about how he hooked up with Dan Lebestard, his radio career, and his philosophy on radio, and he was a lot of fun. So uh, it's a good interview. A uh, little heads up on last week. We had Biz Nasty 2.0, as you know, I'm on Twitter and from Spit and Chicklets on the podcast. So that's in the archives. And uh, that's about it. Uh, what, what did I want to mention? Oh, if you're someone who um, follows me on Twitter, you know, I'm in this whole Springsteen debacle here because I said the guy's music is awful. I got into that with Stugatz. I'm here with my producer, Lou Pellegrino. Where, where, where do you stand on Springsteen? I don't think his music's awful. Um, I respect his music, but I'm not a big Bruce fan. I don't get it. It's like the same with Billy Joel. Just don't get it. See, and I, I am a huge fan of Billy Joel's music, but I'm not going like, to get mad at you or send you a nasty note now because you said you don't get it. That's how it works. People unfollowed me because I said I don't like Springsteen's music. Look, I'm a huge U2 fan, and I know they're an acquired taste, so I'm allowed to have an opinion, and you're allowed to have an opinion right. on my band, and that's the way I look at it. I'm not going to sit here and rail against Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen. Me, top five albums, n they're not making the cut. They're just not. And for me, Bruce Springsteen, 
I feel he's more of a live person that I really want to see. He's a Hall of Famer. I want to see him play, and I want to see him perform, but I'm not running out and buying Born in the USA. Respect his music. Appreciate what he does. He's not in my top five. I'll just say this. Born in the USA is one of the worst songs of all time, in my opinion. Again, this is not an attack on Bruce. It's an attack on... It's not even an attack. It's my opinion that I don't like his music. It's that simple. You said it much nicely than me. I said his music is awful. That's how I feel. But I wanted, But I like that you're not a Bruce guy. That makes me like you even more because people get over the top. All right. That's all I had to get. I had to get that out of my system. Let's get right now to the interview. It's a good one. Stick with it. A lot of, uh, a lot of good stories and a lot of interesting inside radio stuff with Stugatz right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right. Joining me now, this is a uh, an interesting one because I feel like I know this person, but I don't know this person. This is the first time we're ever speaking. There's a little history here. We'll get into it. From the Dan Lebitard show with Stugatz, we have Stugatz. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing good. I mean, my my BFF, my best friend Jimmy T. I mean, I hear you. Everyone's got a Jimmy T in their it, life, and, and I have one too. I hear you like me, and you want to hang out with me. Uh, you sound like someone that I would like, just by, just basing this on name alone. You sound like someone I would hang out with. You sound like someone uh, that I would like. I grew up with a bunch, you know, like Stancy Alleys and guys like that. So, like, <laughs> you and a bunch of Italian guys. So, uh, yeah, I think you and I could be good friends. So, so the backstory here, for anyone who doesn't know, um, apparent. so there's like two backstories, I think. The first is, uh, the simple one is, there's a drop that plays on the Dan Lebertard show with Stugatz of Stugatz saying that he Jimmy Trainer sounds like a guy he'd like to hang out with. And I get tweets from your listeners every day with that quote, which is amusing. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the Stugatz army. Yeah, I, uh, they're powerful. Yeah, I, I like it. They they're a powerful group. I love them. Um, they're fantastic. They're also real, just like just like their leader. They're also uh, really annoying. So I apologize. No, no, no. Uh, it's 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 been nothing but amusement for for me at least. I haven't been annoyed once. So okay, great. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> listening. I'm, I'm sure since they think we're best friends, yeah. I'm certain they're treating you nicely, right? And I'm certain they wanted <laughs> they wanted this conversation to happen. That would be that would be my best guess. The, I mean, the majority have been nothing but nice, and they they. They, they're in on the joke and they'll say, Jimmy Train, it sounds like a guy I want to hang out with. And then there's like maybe that 20% who's like, who's this asshole? So it, <laughs> it's a good well, listen, balance. Have, yeah. Jimmy, it doesn't matter. You always have the 20%. Right, right? exactly. I mean, it <laughs> I mean that, Twitter was made for the 20%. Was it enough for the 80? It certainly 20%. was. Certainly yeah. was. And I, think, and I think that whole thing started, uh, is, I think this is how this whole thing started. Uh, Rich Eisen on his show, who's been on the SI Media podcast plenty of times, um, on his show gave this idea for Major League Baseball where he said, I don't even remember it now, I think it was in in extra innings you can send up any three guys you want or something like that? Yeah, I think think he was saying either extra innings or one time a game you can just put up any, any three guys you want. Uh, in the batting order, meaning even if they already bat in the eighth, uh, your three, four, five guys, your two, three, four, whatever it is, you can once a game, you could use those guys again. And maybe he had his extra innings, which completely, and the reason I was so upset about it is that is something that we have discussed on our show uh, forever. I, right. just, now I have a different name. It's called the Magic at Bat, where 
Because my overall problem with baseball, Jimmy, is when I go to a basketball game five minutes to go, I'm guaranteed I'm going to see LeBron taking most of the shots, making most of the plays. In right. baseball, you know, in the final inning, I could be saddled with the seven, eight, nine hitter. And so I think one of the one of the problems baseball has is you don't see their stars come up enough. Uh, I go to a game, I want to see Bryce Harper, and I want to see him at bat every inning. So I came up with an idea called the Magic at Bat, where a manager at any point could uh, now ours was a little bit different because it involved you know smoke <laughs> and, and actual magic and stuff you know fun for the kids you know. Right. And once, once, mm. once a game, <laughs> <laughs> once a game, mm. a manager can uh, can use his magic at bat. And so, if Bryce Harper bats in the eighth, then you could use, and you haven't used your magic at bat again, or yet you could use it in the ninth to have Bryce come up. So, Eisen uh, came on your podcast and and completely, uh, mm. not you know like. No, not like a spot. Like he completely ripped off uh, our idea, right, right. And, and then he used it on on your podcast. No, no, no. Let me let me correct you. Let me. So what ha- what had happened was I had I saw Eisen give out this rule change. There was a cl- I think his show posted the clip of him talking about this rule change on Twitter, and I saw it and I was like, this is a interesting idea that I would like to see. So I led my column with that the next day, train of thoughts on SI.com. And I said, um, I'm totally in favor of this rule change. And it came from the Rich Eisen. So, well, that was a mistake because then the Stugatz army was like, he stole. <laughs> well, first it was, first it was, they attacked me saying I was stealing your stuff. And right, I'm thinking to myself, that. I know, yeah, listen, yeah. I know a lot of people like on Twitter, nobody has reading comprehension. And like I said, there's always 20% of the assholes out there. But I'm like, how am I stealing it from Stugatz when I'm embedding the video of Eisen? I'm stealing it from Eisen who stole it from Stugatz. And then I got the blowback from it. And I think that's what ended up – I think you got pissed off about that in a joking way. Yeah. And then that's yeah. how the whole Jimmy Tra- – I, I don't. I like Jimmy Train. He sounds like a guy I'd hang out with. Well, Jimmy, so let me <laughs> – you know the army. What we do is, you know, we, we don't we just read the headlines. We don't of course, like everyone that. else. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not going down. I mean, if we get past the first paragraph, that that's reading a lot for us. So oh, I know. Yeah, they saw that headline, had no idea that 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 you were taking embedding uh, Rich Eisen's idea into your story. And I will also uh, I will also say this about Eisen, and we like to call him Eisen on our show. <laughs> but uh, I, I will I, I will tell you this about Eisen. Uh, he he actually. He attributed his uh, his story and his idea to actual sources. Uh, I did not. I just mine was just off the top of my head. So, right, uh, a little more credible coming from Rich Eisen. You know, I think that's what it was. I think I yeah. Yeah, okay. You just re- right. He had said sources, so I took it to mean this was a serious thing that was happening. Not that it no, came no, no, from no, your no, mind, no, Jimmy. Right, Jimmy. He had actual <sighs> sources, which then got me off on a rant. Where okay, fine. Maybe Rich wasn't stealing my ideas, right. but I think his sources were people in you know upper management at Major League Baseball were the sources. So then I started getting angry at Major League Baseball for stealing my ideas. And I rightfully so. Stole my idea. That's the bottom line. Right, and rightfully so. But I didn't right. steal it, and the Stugatz Army came after me, so I just... That was how that whole thing went. And then I guess... All right, well, Stugatz Army, leave Jimmy D alone. He did not steal the idea. He simply embedded uh, I can stole an idea into his story. But I'm grateful for it because that led to the drop. Yes. Yes, yes, the drop. Yes, and everyone loves that drop. Yeah, I mean to have my to love that drop. Have to, ha- you not? to have my name as a drop on one of the top radio shows in the country. I can, I mean, p- <laughs> please attack me more often. I love it. <laughs> anything I can do for you, yeah. Right, anything. So speaking, anything. so speaking of the radio show, you're you're expanding now the Sugat's Empire to uh, a podcast as well. 
Now, yeah. So let me start with this, since we don't know, we are we are getting to know each other. Well, first things first. What do people call you, Stu or Stugatz? Do they go full Stugatz on you, or is it usually just Stu? So uh, the real name's John, but no, right. everyone, just about everyone. I, I, I guess I take that back. Guys in the show will call me Stu uh, sometimes. Mike and and Billy and some of the guys. Uh, my kids call me Stugatz, which is funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I have twin fifteen-year-old girls. They, they call me Stugatz. They, they've also They've also realized, unfortunately, uh, the power of having a dad that all the boys at school love. Right. Um, I, I don't know. That doesn't bode well for me. Um, but, yeah, I think most people go, yeah, most people go to dots. Um, and I'm cool with that. Like, uh, no one's calling me John anymore. What about, so, <laughs> I would hope your wife calls you John. Uh, my wife, my wife calls me a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> occasionally, John. Yes, once in a while, it's John. But she, she calls me a lot of things. Right <laughs> now, did, did Stugatz? Now, is that you had that long before that was the name of Tony Soprano's boat on the show? I assume. No, so so it's interesting, Jimmy, because I so my first big break in the industry was being the executive producer for the Hank Goldberg show right. back in like. Back in like ninety eight, ninety nine, and and at that time, uh, sports radio was like really, really booming. Where uh, and Hank had one of the biggest shows in America. Um, and now I know that sounds good, local show, yeah, but it was a local show. But he had one of the biggest, biggest shows in America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, much, much the way Mike and Chris had, a, you know, in New York where I grew up, and, and you know where where you grew up as well. Yeah. Uh, so Hank had one of the biggest shows in America, and I had I had made some some colossal mistakes. Uh, on the show, I, I think I told them Reggie Wayne was coming on the uh, Miami Hurricanes wide receiver, and it ended up being Santana Moss, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mixed the names up, and so I gave him a sheet uh, of questions on a guy that was not coming on our show. And uh, being the professional that Hank was, he improvised and got through it. And, th- and then afterwards, he told me, uh, "Hey, do you know what the guy's means?" I said, "I have no idea." He goes, "You watch the East Sopranos?" I said. Uh, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, watch it. He said, well, it's the name of Tony's boat. Uh, go look up what the <laughs> meaning is. Come back from the break and tell, us, tell the audience what it means. And I said, why? He said, that's your nickname forevermore. And so um, I looked it up. We came back and uh, he told me to tell the audience uh, what it meant. I said, if I do that, we're going to lose our license. He laughed. And uh, and then he just started calling me Stigat. And at the time, I was like, oh, jeez, man. Uh, you know, but it turned out to be, a, you know, it turned, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Crazy Great nickname. But it's, not much, it's, it's not much better than my real name, which is John Wiener. <laughs> John, <right. laughs> it's a great <laughs> nickname so, uh, to have. Yeah, it's a good nickname to have. It, it, it has served me well uh, for a lot of different reasons. So at the time, I thought it was a curse, but it's actually turned into to, to a bit of a and blessing. It, it but ma- no, it coincided, it coincided with the Sopranos. Yeah. Right. It makes the story even better that it wasn't an Italian person who gave you that nickname. <laughs> it was a Jewish guy. Yeah, it's Jewish. Giving it, it, yeah. it, it to another Jewish guy. Correct. Exactly. So it works out perfect. Um, it worked out perfect. So you, well, well, let's start there because you mentioned Mike and Chris were an influence on you growing up on Long Island. So you, <clears throat> I'm a Long Island guy. You're a Long Island guy. Nassau County. Um, Mike and the Mad Dog. Basically. To this day, I think people still think of the kings of sports talk radio, even though they haven't been together for so long. What was right. it about that show that hooked you? Oh, wow. So many things. Um, so many things, Jimmy. It, like, to hear, first off, sports radio was really just, at the, at the time, uh, was just coming out. And, and so it was new to everyone. And, and I just remember hearing 
and, and they were the biggest influence on me wanting to get into this business. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like a lot of kids, I grew up in Nassau County, grew up in Fort Washington. Um, and so just to hear, this wasn't two, you know, former athletes talking, right? right. These were two guys. It sounded like what it sounded like at my dinner table, like me and my dad arguing, <laughs> or me and my brother arguing, or me and my friends uh, talking about sports. And they talked about it the way we talked about it. And they sounded the way that we sounded. And it was just so authentic and real and and knowing how important chemistry is in radio now after doing it all these years, doing it with Dan at, at, at such a high level, right. their chemistry was just amazing. Like, like their, just the inflections of their voice worked well together. Just, you know, crazy Chris Russo voice. And, and, and then you had, you know, just edu- not to say that Chris isn't, but just what seemed like educated, really super smart uh, Mike Francesa. And so the personalities blended. They meshed perfectly. The voices uh, blended and meshed perfectly. They sounded like me and my friends talking about sports, right. and and they weren't really talking down to me. They were talking to me, and so it just it wasn't for my athletes. It was just two everyday guys who who had a platform and got a microphone and got a show, and they really represented uh, what New York was all about, what the New York sports fan was all about, um, and that that's a really hard thing to pull off. They captured it uh, almost perfectly. And Jimmy, I can tell you, like one of the first times I heard, I could pinpoint. Uh, the almost the exact moment where I knew I wanted to get into this. Uh, I was just driving home one day. One of their, you know, I, maybe they were on the month on the air a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving home with my dad from from practice. He picked me up and he's listening to them. And I said, Dad, what is this? He said, It's Mike and Mad Dog. And I said, These guys are amazing. It's great. And he said, Yeah, it's WFAN. I said, Are these guys getting paid for this? And he said, Yeah, they're probably getting paid a right. lot. Right. And I, I wasn't shy. I knew I could talk. I love sports. And I said, Dad, that's what I want to do for a living. And so uh, he said, go for it. And, and from there, I tell you, I'll never forget. My dad got out of the car, went inside the house. I stayed in the house for a half hour. I stayed out in the driveway in my dad's car for a half hour listening to Mike and Chris. And so uh, I just decided right uh, right then and there that this is this is what I wanted to do for a living, uh, just simply listening to those two guys. But they really, Jimmy, I'm sure you can attest to this. I, they captured that market right. at that time in a way that was perfect. It was per- It was to me. It was perfect sports radio. Well, it's just it's for me listening to you talk about this. It is crazy that, like I said, you and I have never met. And we had this whole thing, and the similarities between us are amazing because, like, like you grew up on Long Island, listened to them, and they were probably the number one or two influence on me wanting to get into sports media. And it was always yeah. fascinating to me that they had that. Did you ever call into the show? No. So, so it's been cool. Like, you know, and I think those guys enjoy that. Like I, I know, you know, I've spoken to Chris, right. And I've spoken to both of them, but you know, I'll always tell Chris, Hey, you're the reason I got into this. And I can't imagine how much of that they get. I right. know they get it a lot. Right. Chris told me they get it a lot. And, and he kind of shies away from it and, and you know, appreciate it that he uh, wants to move on. But that's the impact that those guys had, not just in New York, I think across the country, right? And so um, I never had the opportunity to call into their show. What I did have the opportunity to do, and I'll never forget it, um, is I had the opportunity to actually sit in my seat and host a show for WFAS. Wow. And Yeah, and that was, you know, it was it was, you know, it was a dream come true for me. Um, I did it. I think, God, I'm going. I'm going years. I'm going maybe, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. But I did it on a Sunday night, and uh, I did it after Tiger had won the PGA Championship, mm. and uh, I came on the air, and uh, 
You know, the beautiful thing about that station and that market, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm sitting in Mike's chair, right. uh, but, you know, we got through it. But the beautiful thing about that station and that market is they don't care. They don't care if they're talking to me, you, Mike, Chris, Mike <laughs> Goldberg, right. Dennis on a mobile phone. They just, so the phone lines were lit up. They never heard of me. I've never right. done a show there before. Right. And every line was lit up before I even, before I even took the air, and, and, and all the lines were lit up the entire night. So That station uh, was the, immensely powerful in that, in no. that time. We, when you did the show, you did the show as John Wiener? I did the show at the time. I think I was kind of weaving in and out of John Wiener's two guys because at that time I was still. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I was still. I was still fighting that fight of like, how am I going to turn this name to guys into something that comes off credible? Right. Um, and so I was just kind of weaving in and out. Uh, but the funny thing has happened along the way. Like once, once, and like a lot of people, I pattern myself more after Russo than 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 Francesca, but. Uh, and I said this lovingly to Chris, and I told this to Chris. Uh, the second my career took off is when I stopped trying to be Chris Russo, right? And started making fun of Chris Russo, right? Like that's, right. <laughs> that's kind of where it took off. Well, it's uh, and I did and I did that respectfully because he does this. I mean, I love him. So well, uh, that's and that's the difference between Mike and Chris. You can make fun of Chris, and Chris laughs at it. Whereas Mike, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole you know bash Mike thing. No, but, but that's the big. But Jimmy, that is the big difference. Like we did for Halloween, uh, Dan and I were Mike and the Mantle. Yes, I remember. Yep. Yeah, and unbeknownst to Dan, I did. Uh, you know, I came out. I did the whole uh, good afternoon. How are you today? That right. deal. I did an opening segment, and Russo played it back on his show on ML- yep. uh, MLB Network and on Mad Dog at Series XM. He was laughing at it. He has a great um, sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a great sense of humor. Like, and that's it. And I think that's a key. To this business, like I think that's part of what's happening with Mike right now is the fact that he just takes himself so damn seriously and just refuses to a admit that he's wrong and right. b just laugh at yourself. It's and very, very sad. I, it's very for me. It's very sad because, yeah. like you, I grew up loving them. And you used the word earlier, and to me, this is the key word. Whenever the someone who doesn't get Mike and the Mad Dog asks me about it, you hit the word authentic. So much of the stuff we see on with sports talk today, not not your show, and and I don't even think it's radio as much as it's the TV shows, but it's the the, the saying the hot take that you don't believe just to get the reaction. Everything those two have ever said, they believe. They never played that game where, let me say something outlandish just to get calls or just to get attention. If they said something crazy, which they did, they meant it. It's not like these shows you see on, you know, like FS1 or all these horrible things. But they, so the authenticity is what drew you in. Now, listen, I don't, I could sit here for seven hours and talk to you about Mike and what's happened to him. But like, it's sad. It's sad. Well, it's sad, right? So, like, once I learned, like, hey, stop taking yourself so seriously. All I am is a fan who has a platform and a microphone. Like, right. that's it. Like, and you're going to make mistakes. You're doing live radio. Like, there's people in the car that know more about sports than we do. Right. And Mike doesn't think that. And if Mike could just, I think he would buy Mike so much. Listen, I say this lovingly as well. I respect him as much as I respect Russo. One doesn't work without the other. Right. Um, and, and I love him and respect him. But if he would just laugh at himself once in a while... I think it would go such a long way. And then your point about authentic, uh, authenticity is a great one because those it wasn't contrived, Jimmy. Nope. And those guys, if they agreed with each other, if they didn't sit there and go, Mike, I'm going to take this side and you take this right. side. If right. they agreed, they agreed. If they disagreed, they disagreed. But it wasn't contrived. And right. 
And Dan and I have tried to do that along the way here. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this might not know that some of these shows have a producer and they have a meeting before the show and they say, you take this side and you take that side. Mike and the Mad Dog, they could go days with just agreeing with each other without any arguments. or di- And they just let it roll. There was no... You know, bullshit about it, and and I think yeah. that's why it worked. The thing about and they still found and they still found a way to make that they still found a way of making a ring with each other entertaining. Right, right. right. Yeah, I think I mean, the other issue with Mike, and this will tie into you guys with with Dan, is one of the things I like about your show with Dan so much is you guys realize too, it's sports. It's not to be taken so seriously. And at the end of the day, when your day is over and you're in your house and you hit your bed and your head hits your pillow. All this stuff that happened in sports is not important in real life, in the grand scheme. It's important for us because we work in it. But I'm just saying, yeah. I used to, you know, when I was younger, the Yankees would lose and I wouldn't be able to sleep. It, it, but as you get older, you realize, you know, it's not. So I love the fact, I mean, one of the great things about your show is that, you know, every media, sports media outlet, including SI, they go ballistic with this NFL draft coverage and you guys just basically crap all over it, and I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's sports hell. It's after sports hell for Dan. I mean, I love it still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's sports hell. Uh, yeah. Dan, in fact, he took he, he was working to the Herald covering the draft years ago, and he, he showed up at the wrong location for the draft, which shows how, how little attention Dan's paying to the draft. Right. Uh, he went to the wrong location in New York City, <laughs> and he was so frustrated he had to cover it that he ended up taking a sabbatical from the Herald. <laughs> From the house, <laughs> uh, it, it just it, it, to him it's mind numbing, right? It's yeah, mind numbing. I see. We're all, he's, we're he's, all guessing. No one knows how good Tyler Murray's going to be. Bingo. And, you know, we could guess, but no one knows. You know? I don't even mind like speculation about Tyler Murray, but like when someone puts out a mock draft the day after the Super Bowl, it's like, uh, are you kidding me? Are you really, really, <laughs> really? Now listen, I, lo- I love a good mock draft. So I mean, <sighs> uh, but not, I, listen, you're right. Like Dan likes to say, we're playing in the toy department, right? And, and we, and we really are. I yeah. mean, in the grand scheme of things, I love my Jets and, and the Mets and the Knicks and the Islanders as, as much as anyone. Uh, I'm still a huge fan and, and, you know, still get upset every Sunday when the Jets lose and, you know, the Mets are the Mets and all that stuff and the Knicks are just a complete embarrassment. But right. uh, I love it. But, Jimmy, I think you hit on it. Like, with age comes experience and perspective. And, you know, it's just in the grand scheme of things, it's, and especially with radio, right? Like it's our job to entertain and perform for our audience at at all costs. And uh, Dan and I, we know what we're doing is 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 us at our best. We know if we were sitting there breaking out sports in a way like Mike and Chris are uh, were, that would not be us, right. us at our best. But I will tell you, yeah, like things become less important when you get older. You have experience. You know, right. I live in Portland, Florida. That you know, that not to bring this in a completely weird and and sad direction, but. Um, yeah, after you go through, you know, a shooting right down the street from your house right. in high school, uh, right. yeah, like sports become that important. Exactly. Know? I want to get to you ending up in Florida. So you grew up, love Mike and the Mad Dog. You interned for MSG as well, correct? Well, so I, yeah, so I, so I went to, I went to school up in Worcester, Mass. I went to Clark University and yeah. my, my best friend from school lived down in South Florida. And so right after, uh, right after we graduated, I was living, I was actually living in the city, and then I moved, I went down to visit him for a weekend, and so I went down in the winter, and, uh, you know, it was dreadful in New York, and I get down here, and it's, you know, it's December, it's 74 degrees, and, and not a cloud in the sky, Right. and, and you know, I'm single, and I'm playing golf, and we're going out, and I'm like, wow, this is a cool place, right. <laughs> I, I, could, I could live here, and so, uh, I moved down there, 
with the intention of really staying for like a year or so. And uh, I ended up working for the Marlins and the Dolphins uh, at the time with Pro Player Stadium. The Marlins won the World Series the first year I got down there in 97. And, uh, and, and at the same time, was able to get an internship at WQIM, which is where Hank was hosting his show. Right. Um, became very good friends with, with John Chomby, Boog Chomby, who voices Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN Radio, and yep. a lot of other stuff. And so he got me, he, Boog helped me get my foot in the door, got an internship. Now, I was there for a year, and they didn't have a job to offer me. And I got a nice offer from the folks up at Madison Square Garden to do sales for the Knicks and the Rangers. And so... Uh, eventually, you got to make some money, Jimmy. And so I took that job and went back up to New York, and I was only there for a year. I spent that entire year uh, wondering why the hell I left South Florida in the first place. Uh, <laughs> well, here's what here's, here's what I was curious yeah. about, though. When you were there at MSG, was that when the Knicks were actually a real team and relevant? When, the Knicks were well. The, I mean, yes, the, yes, the Knicks were a real. So let's see. We're going back to ninety. We're going back to ninety eight, ninety nine, and Okay, area. so it was after it was really after Riley and Van Gundy. Then it was after Riley okay. and Van Gundy, right. but but they were certainly more relevant than, than they are right now. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> although although they might be getting relevant here pretty soon, we'll see. And the Rangers were good too, and it's Madison Square Garden. Right. So uh, they offered me good money. I took it. I went up there, and then about a year later, I got a call from the program director back down in Miami, WQAM, and he said. Uh, he said to me, he said, hey, uh, you know, I got a job for you. I said, what? He said, uh, you impressed Hank so much. His executive producer job is open. Uh, he wants to hire you. Uh, you run the show. And I said, that's it. Again, I knew I wanted to do this since I was like 16 years old. So I knew this was a big opportunity for me. Right. Um, and I didn't even let him get the sentence out. I, I said to him, how much am I getting paid? He said, uh, $4 and 50 cents an hour. I feel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I, I, I mean, so, so I left a job that was paying me very well. My parents were not very happy. Right. And I moved back down to Florida for a job that was paying me a lot less, but it was a job that, that uh, I found to be far more enjoyable. And it was, it was, you know, it was a stepping stone to a place I wanted to get. So right. I knew I had to take it. I knew these jobs were very value, uh, valuable, even though it wasn't paying me a lot. I knew I had to take it to get my foot in the door. All right, John, let me just tell the SI Media Podcast listeners that this episode is sponsored by Roman. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. I can tell you over the winter, I was not feeling good for a long time, coughing and struggling a lot. And of course, it took me like a month to go to finally go to the doctor, and it turns out I had bronchitis, which I could have nipped in the bud if I went earlier, but that's sort of how we do things. And again, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit getroman.com media Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy, so take care of it. For the SI Media podcast audience out there, you can get a free online visit. Go to roman.com slash 
media. That's GetRoman.com slash media for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash media. Now back to Stugatz. So that's how you ended up in Florida. And then how long before then did you hook up with Dan? So that's, yeah, that's, wow. So I think uh, that's QAM for a while, produced that show for a while. So, so it's interesting because, Jimmy, in the early 2000s, like, and, I, and I'm certain we started to notice it, everyone did, right? Like sports radio was really booming in large part because of FAN and, and Mike and Chris. But suddenly there wasn't just one sports radio station in each market. Like they were popping up everywhere, multiple yeah. stations in one market, right? Um, New York had it, in LA, in Detroit, in Chicago. And, and so I had some friends in Atlanta, um, Andrew Saltzman and Steve Shapiro, who had started uh, 790 The Zone in Atlanta mm-hmm. and they did a, uh, they did a local, uh, local marketing agreement, LMA. They never owned the station. They were leasing the signal and they were, and they controlled the programming 24 seven and they sold it 24 seven. So they, so I just saw a market down here in Miami to create a, it's a major market to create a second sports radio station. One that was a little bit younger, a little bit hipper, had some more pop culture. Um, and, and I've always had kind of that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I got with those guys. They planted the seed in my head. I got a good team together, and we started uh, 790 to take it down here in Miami. But I remember saying to myself, there's no way I'm doing this without Levitar and hosting afternoons. Like, I just – we had only read him in print. He didn't have a radio job prior to that. He did a Sunday show for ESPN. But I just knew uh, from having him on Hank's show or having him on WQIM a lot, reading him in print, uh, talking to Boog, who was a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. Uh, telling me what a great person, nice person, funny person Dan is. Uh, I knew I wanted to start the station with him at Afternoon Drive. That wasn't me and him at Afternoon Drive. It was just him. Right. Uh, but later on, about a week before we launched that station, he came to me and said, hey, I don't want to do this alone. And I said, okay, I said, okay what do you want to do? Uh, that's that's and, perfect because I want to I ask about you and Dan yeah. and that relationship. Okay. Yeah. So, so, I, like, so we, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, when you, you, you wanted him on the station, I'm just curious. Did you, from the second he got to the station, was, did, was the chemistry there and you knew you guys had something special or did it take you guys a little time to grow into it? So, so I knew I wanted to start this station. Now, I was also the vice president and manager of the station, so it was very tricky, okay? Uh, but I knew I wanted Levitard in afternoon drive and I knew I wanted this guy, Joe Rose, in the morning. Now, Joe Rose is still doing mornings in Miami at WQAM. I wanted Joe Rose because it was a stalwart station, he's a great host, and he was also the most sellable guy I've ever seen in the history of radio. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even, like, it's crazy. So, right. w- like, with Joe came a lot of money, right? And for a startup station, that was big. And with Joe also came the possibility of getting the Dolphins uh, play-by-play rights, which we ultimately got because Joe is a former Dolphin uh, and is calling the, day, uh, calling the games until this day. He calls them right now. So I knew I wanted that, and then I was going to do a midday show. So Levitard agreed, Joe Rose agreed, uh, I was doing middays at the time Dan Patrick was on our station because he was doing, we were an ESPN affiliate, so we had uh, Joe, Dan, me, and then uh, Dan Patrick, me, and then Levitard. So Levitard calls me up a week before we're launching the station, Jimmy, and he says to me, hey, I don't want to, I still want to do this. Uh, Dan loved, you know, loved being part of an underdog, uh, uh, an upstart, and going after WQAM, who had literally done nothing but mock him for 15 years, mm-hmm. um, and his article. So he was, he was in on this. Right. But he said, hey, I don't want to do this alone. And I said, okay, well, give me some names. He said, well, I'm very picky with who I work with. 
And I said, Darren, just give me, give me some names. I'll, I'll go see if they're available. He said, well, I wanted Boone to do it. But he can't because he's doing Marlin games on our competitor, on WQIM, so I can't, I, he can't do it. And so I asked Boo who I should do it with, and he told me you. And huh. I said, well, I'm doing a midday show. And he said, well, you're not anymore if you want me on this radio station. Huh. And I, I said, that's it? It's me and you? And he goes, it's me and you. Go find a new midday host. And, uh-huh. yeah, so I found, you know, thanks. Now, listen, at the time, i got to be honest, Jimmy, I wanted to do my own show. Um. But you know, now armed with hindsight, uh, armed with hindsight, it's the single greatest call I've ever received. Yeah. Um, because look where it's taken us. I didn't know that at the time. And so to answer the, the question, God, I remember we went on the air the first day. It was dreadful. I was the only one who had any radio experience. I was interviewing Dan for three hours a day. It was terrible, 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 terrible. Some of the worst radio you've ever heard. <laughs> we played back the first episode. Levitar could get three minutes of it. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> and, so, uh, and, so and so it was really bad. And Dan will tell stories of him driving around on his bicycle in his neighborhood at night, thinking, trying to think of ways to fix this show. And uh, eventually we just found our footing. Uh, you know, it didn't make sense for the Dan Levitar show, which to God, uh, for me to be in the one seat and to be in the two seat. We decided, okay, Dan, you got to be one. i got to be two. And the second we did that, the second we moved in from two to one, and I was, uh, and I went from one to two, is really the second. I think we both realized we had chemistry. The show took off, and we're just so polar opposite. Um, I mean, just we, you could not be any more opposite than me and Dan are. So we just we knew it. Maybe took a year, Jimmy, but about a year in, uh, Dan and I really knew we had something. Especially when I, especially once I. I didn't know how funny Dan was. I really did it. Right. Uh, he's just, he's got a great sense of humor. But once I kind of let go trying to be super serious sports guy, I think we both knew right then and there uh, that we had something special. And, that, and that's, that's for us, I think, where the show took off. So maybe about a year to 18 months. Ago. And, and um, did you guys right off the bat, like I mentioned it earlier, you got one of the great things about your show is you don't take sports as super serious as these other radio shows. I mean, you guys have done stuff over the, I mean, I know you've had battles with ESPN over the years. There was suspensions over the LeBron billboard. I mentioned the draft. (laughs) Has it always been like, you know, once you had that first year of, you know, feeling each other out after the first year, you you know, that chemistry is there. Were you guys always sort of like that or did you grow into the, because I do think in, in, Sports media, especially. I mean, it's listen. It's in every job, but in sports media, there are the Jordan rules at every company. You know, a Scott Van Pelt is going to be able to get away with something that someone else might not at ESPN and at SI. You know, our top guys get away with the so. But you guys have had famous battles with ESPN. Has that? Have you guys always had that antagonistic thing and not take sports seriously and have fun with it, or is that something that's come with the success? So, yeah, by the way, that happens everywhere, right? Like Jimmy Johnson would tell a story. It's like, yeah, Dan Marino could fall asleep during a film session. The backup couldn't. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, uh, so so uh, we've always, well, listen, to Dan's credit, he just, because all of, all of this sounded the same, and still to some degree it does, right? All these shows sound, sound the same and doing the same thing. To right. Dan's credit, he just, he set out and wanted to do something different. And he, I remember him telling me, hey, you don't have to be that different to really stand out in sports radio. To be a little bit different, you'll stand out. Um, and so that's that's kind of what we set out to do. Now, now Jimmy, it's funny because I was still at the time fighting the, you know, I want to be Mike and Chris. I want to be a credible sports radio gas bag guy. Right. And, uh, so I was, I was fighting, you know, both ends, kind of teetering between wanting to be serious and then and being 
what I am now, right? right. Which is I'm just fully flawed, <laughs> <I'm not laughs> fully, uh, you know, fully immersed myself into the into, into the goofiness, into the character, into yeah, the state, right? Um, but no, we we have we always been we we've always set out to be different. We've always set out to yeah, we needle, uh, but we're laughing at. We don't take sports seriously, but the other thing we don't take seriously is ourselves, right? So well, that's the case. You know, we go into every show just like. Hey, whatever ego you have, leave it right here. Uh, don't go in that room with it, um, because we're just trying to entertain. We're going for funny. We're trying to find the funny in every story. Sometimes the funny is me, and sometimes it's Dan, and sometimes it's one of our producers, or sometimes it's the story itself. Uh, but when you have the, you know, when you have the head guy, and Dan is the head guy, uh, willing to take a beating from me and the staff and the listeners and make fun of himself, it's, it's hard for you. Uh, by extension, to not to not allow the same things of yourself, if that makes sense. Um, right. Meaning, if Dan's going to allow us to make fun of him, I have to allow everyone to make fun of me as well. Now, I take it on the chin a little bit more than everyone else on the show, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, I, I mean, we, what's the most powerful thing, right? Like we're we're perceived as anti-establishment inside the biggest sports establishment in the world. Exactly. So, and so that, yeah, that kind of, I think that works for us, but I think it also works for everyone. Um, and so, you know, we try, we really do, because we love the people that we work for. We love the people that we work with. At the ESPN Sunday, um, when they hired us, they said, hey, little to no interference, go do your thing. And to their credit, there's been little to no interference. Now, the billboard thing, Dan is taking ownership of that. Uh, that was on Dan for doing it. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, the uh, billboard thing, I, to me, that's just like, a, to even get in trouble for that is ridiculous. To me, the all-timer for Dan, which I think is the greatest thing ever, was when he yeah. gave his Hall of Fame vote to Deadspin. Oh, it was great. I mean, yeah, that's phenomenal fun. right there. That is... And, 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 and listen, the fans did a good balance. I mean, they did, <laughs> they, they actually, they actually, and that was, you know, that was Dan, uh, you know, that was Dan making making a statement on a much larger, much larger issue there for him. Right. But it was funny because we, I think we had Glavin. I think it was the year Glavin got on, got into the Hall of Fame. I remember having uh, Glavin on that day, and Glavin made some sort of joke. I think it was Glavin. Uh, made some sort of joke like, hey, Levitar, way to steal everyone else's thunder on the day. Like, hey, right. you stole my, you're the big story on the day I get into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Which Dan did feel together. Yeah, that was great. But yeah, we, we, we've always, we've always. I, I don't want to say we're, we're actively sitting there trying to piss anyone off because I know we're not. I know right. who we are. I know what we're trying to do. But I think ultimately, when you do the type of show we do, uh, you're going to ruffle ruffle some feathers. But I think the longer we've been there, and uh, you know, ESPN really gets it and gets what we're going for, and knows that we're fundamentally decent human beings. But yes, we've always, <laughs> we've always, we've always, we've always tried to. To, to be a little bit anti-establishment, yeah. and you know when others are zigging, we, we try to zag. So. Now you guys have been doing the show together since '04, so that's yeah. 15 years, if my math is correct, which I'm not great at. Do you ever yeah. do you ever get sick of each other? Are there ever days? And I don't e- I don't even mean it in a way where I don't even mean a real fight, but I mean in a way where it's like, oh, God, I got to sit next to this guy. I need a break for a couple of days. Or is it every day is just you get in there, you roll, you do your show, and it's wonderful? Um, oh, God, I'm certain Dan is sick of me. Um, <laughs> I'm just annoying. Like, but I, so it's um, – but not in a bad way. Like I, what, what we're doing – the show is literally flying by the seat of its pants. So, so it's – I'm talking a lot during the commercial break, and while I know it's annoying, Dan, I'm doing it. Oh yeah, see that um, would yeah that would annoy me too. 
Right. But but you know, like if you listen to the show enough, you know Dan comes out of breaks often saying this is what happened during the break. Right. Uh, so Dan's not responding to me, but he is paying attention because he does find it amusing. And we're all talking. Like I'm just I'm the court jester, just getting everyone going. And um, and so, man, that that that's a tricky question. I could tell you in 15, 16 years of doing this that he and I have had precious little, uh, if any, fights. To be honest right. with you. Uh, there have been, it's just not the nature of the show we do. We're not yelling back and forth at each other, right? right. So that doesn't really carry over into commercial breaks and outside. So, I, like, I could, I could sit here and tell you, if anything, um, I think our bond has gotten a lot stronger. Our friendship has gotten a lot stronger. I would say our relationship is probably in the best place it's ever been right now. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is just, you know, we've accomplished a lot together, and I think there's a mutual Mutual respect. I know what he does is very difficult. He knows what I do is very difficult. Um, you know, just just being being the clown and getting you know getting punched and. Uh, but I don't, but I think Dan would be the first one to tell you I don't let I don't personalize that stuff. Jimmy. I don't let any of it go. I think a lot of other people would have fought, would have torn each other's necks, like literally would have torn their necks off their body. Yeah. Uh, I just I I just let it slide. I don't care. I know what we're I know we're trying to entertain. And when you're trying to do the show that we do, occasionally you're going to cross a line. Either it's me on Dan or Dan on me. And I just let it go, and he lets it go. And so uh, I am certain that he is probably at times driven in there or walked in there, because I'm the only one doing any driving. He lives five blocks away. Uh, I'm certain he's walked in there going, oh, Jesus, the guy I don't want to deal with this for three right. hours. <laughs> you know, and have I had moments? Sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I really, I only ask really because, like, any Mike and the Mad Dog aficionado knows they had some famous fights and blowouts and on the air yeah. and off so that's why i'm just curious um yeah that if was, it's but, ours, but, but we don't so our, the style of show that we do is the, now in the early days we used to have some of those kind of fights right yeah. um we, we just don't have them as much uh, as we used to so none of that stuff has ever has ever, uh, has ever really carried over um and dan's just a fun like listen to know dan is to love dan i'm telling you jimmy there he is a fundamentally decent human being, but he's also the kindest soul I've ever met in my life, and he is, uh, he's an ugly man, uh, and if he wasn't, I would have been kicked off the, strip, the fucking show three, you know, three days in. Right. I mean, he's just, he's, no, I'm a, he's just immensely loyal. Yeah. Like so, I said. So I can say that he's probably been sick of me, and I'm not sick of him, and I'm not going to get sick of him uh, as long as he and I are making this kind of money. Yeah. Like I said, I love Dan just because he doesn't take it all so seriously, and, and like I said, the Hall of Fame ballot, the the billboard, I love yeah. that stuff. Um, I, we got we got before we got to plug the uh, the new podcast, Stupidity. Yes. Let me ask you a couple of quick ones, and we'll, we'll talk about the podcast. I'm just curious. Yeah. Give fine. me the lowdown on what happened a few weeks ago with Ariel and the MMA, because. I thought it was great, and then I had people telling me, "Oh, it was staged," and you know he's part so, of. Jimmy, the... uh, Jimmy, just to cut you off, I, I can tell you, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I was on vacation, so I don't even like. And you're going to find this amazing. I still don't know what happened. So, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know that, I know there was something, but I was on vacation, so I knew I know there was a story there. I don't, but I don't like for me. I don't even know. I, I, I'm to be right. completely honest with you, so I don't know. I'll have happened. to have Dan on, I guess, because I was just. You, I, you, I, was, I thought it came off to me like, have you seen the clip? Did you listen to it? And uh, because no, no, but, but to know me, it, anyone who knows me knows this is a, a real reality. The answer to all your questions is no. <laughs> I didn't see the clip. <laughs> like, for me, it was like, okay, I wasn't there. Uh, I don't know what happened. Something happened. I wasn't there. And uh, let's move on. See, it came off to me so much of like, 
because ESPN is now in bed with MMA, they wanted Ariel and to cover this thing on Levitard's show, and Levitard wanted no part of it, and then it fell off the rails. And I, as someone who hosts a show, and sometimes you get guest suggestions you're not crazy about, I had so much respect for Dan basically not pretending that he was into this. But then everyone was saying, um, you know, he was in on it, it's fine. He lo- So I wanted to get to the bottom of it, but you're bringing me nothing yeah, right well, now. You're well, giving I mean, me nothing. I mean, I- I could experience, I'm giving up because I wasn't there, so I don't know. I know, and, I know. And, then, like, and then I would tell you, like, like those just, like, we do a show and we go to the next one, and we, we very rarely look back. But I will tell you, like, listen, Dan is, Dan's going to talk to who Dan wants to talk to. Like, I'm, Jimmy, I'm constantly telling him, let's get this coach on, let's get that coach on. He's like, they don't say anything, right? right? So, like, Dan is going to talk to who Dan wants to talk to, and if someone is forced upon Dan, um, he's going to try to do something not not to be mean to anyone. He's just going to try to make it entertaining and almost express his frustration with having to have, you know, right. the, the thing that he was asked to do. Right, so, which I love. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, you, uh, at the very least, you got to respect it, right? you, you got to respect it. He, Dan is going Dan, to... Dan's interested in what Dan's interested in, and what he's not interested in is bad radio. Right. <laughs> he's not interested Who? in radio. That's just not what he's interested in. Who would be a dream guest for you? If you could book the show... For tomorrow, who are the first three people? And you can get anyone you want. Give me three people right now you'd have on the show tomorrow. For for me or for Dan? For you, for you, for you. Well, for the show, Uh, for the show. Wow, for the show. For the show. Well, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Since you now have the Stupidity podcast, give me your three guests you'd want on that tomorrow. All right, all right. So for me... um... Yeah, I would say I would say Tiger Woods. I'm a huge golf fan. So right. Tiger Woods would certainly would certainly be one. Um, would you ask him about Elon beating him up with the golf club on Thanksgiving? You know what? I don't think that now people might criticize me for this, but I don't think that I would. It, it was so long ago. Like I just want to talk to Tiger about Tiger, about right. the comeback, about being Tiger, about the golf stuff. Um, you know, I guess maybe I'll try to get a question or two about that in, but, but I, don't, I don't think he has any desire to talk about it. No, I'm sure, I'm sure he does not. I'm sure he does And I wouldn't want to wreck whatever valuable precious time I would have with him right. while pissing him off and then not getting answers to the other stuff. So, gotcha. All right, so Tiger yeah, Woods. I probably, probably wouldn't. And, and I can tell you from a musical, like, I love The Grateful Dead. Right. Uh, so for me, like, Bob Weir would be, he'd probably be ahead of that. In fact, Bob Weir would be one. So Bobby Weir would be one. Uh, I think Tiger would be two, and then I've just grown to love Aaron Rodgers so much, uh, he'd be three. And then in terms of our show, uh, wow, that is such a difficult thing, because Dan has just different sensibilities and likes than I do. But we have grown to love, like Aaron's certainly on that list, right? because uh, Dan has an obsession with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has never been on the Lebertard show? Oh, no, he's been on the show a lot. Oh, okay, I was going to say. No, no, Dan, Dan's okay. got a crush on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's, it's, like, Dan doesn't get emotional with sports to me, but for some reason... Um, he he is super emotional when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. Like right. He thinks that he's the greatest he's ever seen. And Aaron's a very introspective kind of different guy. So we've had him on the show a ton, and he's great. So I would say I would say that that he's probably right up there. Alan Iverson's another guy that me and Dan love speaking to. Mm-hmm. Dan Dan loves the the, the candid, honest guys. Um, right. Excellent. We're just going to let it fly. So th- those are the those are the type of people. But for me, it'd be Bob Weir, Tiger Woods, Aaron Rodgers, maybe Sam Darnold, but no particular. All right. Except for Bob, he's one. Okay. Now, listen, you mentioned Grateful Dead fan. Let me ask and, you. And Mike and Chris. Mike and Chris. Okay. <laughs> Mike and Chris together, yeah. Oh, I, but yeah. that's the thing. Like, would you even want Mike on at this point? It's like... 
I'd want Mike on at this point to try to try to explain to Mike, hey, you're a legend. People love you. Um, but with each passing day, you're becoming more and more of a punchline. I'd right? love to hear. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. I, I think he'd probably yell at me and hang up, and he'd probably yeah. get mad if, 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 if he hears this. And I, I would tell him, like, hey, no one loved you more than me growing up. I am flattered. And my dad. Nobody glued to our radio every day. I leave school to get to a radio at 1 o'clock. To listen to I know. I listen. I am right there with you. And, I, and what I would tell him is, hey, you're a legend. And with each passing day, the people who grew up and view you, who love you, who view you as a legend, you're becoming a punchline to that. Yeah. Right? Because, he, because when my dad starts making fun of you, <laughs> like that's the <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. Dad was more accessible than anyone, and so that's what I would right. like. I would have that conversation with him about, hey, and make your run. Stop taking yourself so seriously. We're just talking about sports. I don't know if it would resonate with Mike. He'd probably tell me to go up myself, but I'd certainly give it a try. I'd love that opportunity. He would so. say, "I've been number one for forty years," and he'd hang up on you. Right. And, and listen, yeah, like, and I, I listen, I, I'm in the thought, same boat. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I used to call. I for like three years, I was a caller. Jimmy from Syosset. I called That's all funny. the time. It's like. And now I just, the the joylessness of the show is just so sad to me. But I, I, well, that's, me, what, that's what it is. Yeah. The other thing I was telling was, yeah, but you're not number one. Yeah, well, that that's going to be ugly if that if that. I mean, it's only been one book so far, but if uh, one month, but if the book comes out where he's not number one, it's going to get ugly. But you mentioned the Grateful yeah, but Dead. Exactly. But, Jimmy, but Jimmy, here's what I hear, and I'm not doing this for yes, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm, I've, I've sat here and told you, like I was part of the Michael and Adam. Right, right. Like, I'm sitting here telling you how much I love the guy. But here's what I hear, okay? Because I still listen to local New York radio. Mm-hmm. On one side, I hear uh, the Greca, Michael K, and Pete. I I hear fun. I hear laughter. I hear people not taking themselves that seriously. Right. And when I go to the other side, uh, and I still listen to them, uh, I hear a, a guy who's droning, who's taking himself way too seriously, and you know, just doing nothing but taking calls. And yeah, those guys are having fun. And I think in 2018, 2019, our show's proven it. Right, right. You mentioned you're a huge Grateful Dead fan, so let's put yeah. our friendship to the test here. This new friendship, because I'm in yeah. a lot of heat right now on Twitter because I said that um, Bruce Springsteen's music is awful. Do you hate me for that statement, or can you look past it? No, I can absolutely look past it. Okay, because um, <laughs> people are killing me. Jimmy, that that is like the most anti like like everyone in sports media loves Springsteen. So for you to say that, like God bless you, that's crazy. <laughs> I listen. It's not. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying it. There was a someone put on Twitter over the weekend, like, "Give me your hottest take." So right. I replied to it, and I said, Bruce Springsteen's music is awful. That's my opinion. I've always felt yeah. this way. I'm not saying it to say it. I think the man sounds constipated when he tries to sing, and I think outside <laughs> of Dancing with the Dark, he doesn't have any good songs that I like. I mean, okay. like people were unfollowing me because of this. It was insane. No, well, I mean, listen, you're attacking a legend. You know, you're, you're, I'm not you're, attacking you're attacking. a legend. Someone asked for a hot take. I said, I don't like his music. It's awful. All right, so, so, so I'll help you out here. People come attack me, all right? I have said multiple times on our show that the Beatles are overrated. Okay, so there you go. The right, Beatles now, are overrated, right? So, but, but no, with Springsteen, I think, listen, so I, here, here's a funny thing, Jimmy. I like some of his music, and it's like hit or miss with me. And with The Grateful Dead, I love every, people ask me, what's your favorite Dead song? I'm like, you, you can't do that with The Dead. You like, you like right. all of them. Right. Uh, with Springsteen, like, yeah, do I like Badlands? Do I like Thunder Road? Do I like Rosalita? Yeah, I like those songs. Do I like Glory Days, Days in the Dark Down? And then there's some songs that are just boring, and I don't like it. So, right. But, but that's okay, but I can tell you, this is what threw me on Springsteen, though. 
Well, but uh, and my thing is this: I'm I'm not questioning the legacy. I know he's one of the greatest artists of all time. I know he's one of the most popular artists. I know he's an icon. I don't like the music. That's all I'm saying. But on you know, you say that sure. on Twitter and people lose their minds. Yeah, they'll lose their mind. But, but Jimmy, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is what turned me talking about not taking yourself too seriously, right? Right. I went to see Springsteen on Broadway uh, with my wife. Right. She loves Bruce. And it was, it was one of the... I had people tell me that it was good, right? That it, was, it wasn't good. It was great. Okay? Right. What I did... And I thought, you know, he would tell a story and he would sing. I had no idea how self-deprecating he was going to be. And right. it blew me away. Where he was just making fun of himself. And, and I'll give you just... I don't know if you saw it on Netflix, but Jimmy... When he's telling the audience, I made a career out of being a blue-collar worker going into factories, industrial places. Like, I, be, I made a career of writing songs about that and then letting you know that he's never stepped foot in any of those places, any factory, nothing. Right. He's, he's basically said, I'm a con man. Right, right. right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's I, fucking funny, man. Yeah. I don't have know? issues with him as a person. It's just I, I don't right. like his music. That was my only point. I, you. That's I it. You. you know. But That's fair. Listen, le- listen. Leave All right. Let, before I let you go, tell me about do a little plug here for the podcast. How often it comes yeah. out? What you're doing with it? And then we'll we'll wrap so it up. Been a, it's, it's, it's been a real cool. It's been a cool experience for me and for Dan. So, so Dan and I started a network called Levitard and Friends. So it's not just my podcast, the Podity, uh, but it's also Southeast Sessions and Lena Kimes' podcast, and we're we're going to be rolling out the new podcast coming up here pretty soon. Uh, and we're really excited about it. We we have a good show that's popular. There's a lot of fun and funny people in all of our lives, and so uh, Dan and I wanted to to create a, you know create a digital network uh, since that's where you know this whole this whole medium seems to be headed. Uh, we wanted to do some stuff that was creative, kind of outside the box. So. It's been it's been a lot of work, but it's also been a lot of fun. And so Stupidity, which which debuted uh, number one on Apple iTunes, not just before Direct everywhere, which was a shock to me, mm-hmm. uh, and a, and a very grateful for it. And now it's sitting, you know, consistently top three on on sports and rec. And um, when we drop the episode every Thursday, it shoots right up to one. And so brag all brag all you can, brag brag brag. You got to listen. Listen, I was ahead of Oprah for a week, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't shut the hell up. I, yeah, I mean, um, I don't blame you. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's just been a really cool experience for me from this standpoint. I'm doing it. It just allows people to see a side of me that that perhaps they don't get to see on the show. I, I do most of it with my wife, which. That in itself makes it pretty unique. Um, you know, we sat down and interviewed Adam Gase together. That was that was a lot of fun. And Gase enjoyed it, right? Like my wife cracked him open. Like if I can't crack him open, then we go to you know break class and Gase an emergency, and there's my wife Adam, <laughs> um, and and she'll get stuff out of him. And so we just had a lot of fun. You know, I get to bring in friends of mine, and and you know, I'll be doing some stuff with my dad coming up in the next couple of weeks. And so it just it, it allows me. You know, Dan is bringing his family and his friends. His brother does the art in the show. He does the TV show with his dad. This allows me to bring my family right. and friends into, into something that I'm doing. And so uh, it's been it's been super enjoyable. And uh, and uh, the new episode uh, comes out. Uh, well, episodes come out every Thursday. The newest episode will come out tomorrow. Every so, Thursday. Uh, All right. Good. Good yeah. luck. Good luck with it. Keep it rolling. Now I, I got to ask: Do you ever? And you will be watching. Listen, I gave you maybe like Anytime you want, I'm there. I I will not turn down a fellow Mike and the Mad Dog fan. Um, I, I'm kid, do you still have family on Long Island? Do you ever come back to Long Island? Or, yeah, I come back a lot. Uh, Give I'm, me. I'm, 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 
Give me your favorite Long Island restaurant. I want to see if it's something. Oh, God. I don't even have to think about it. Carlos Pizza, Port Washington. Carlos Pizza. I've never been there. I'm going to have to check it out. Carlos Carlos Pizza, Port Washington. It is, uh, it's right down, uh, it's, it's towards the end of Main Street, right across from the movie theater. Oh, okay. It is the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Oh, all right, all right. Because I'm an Umberto's guy, New Hyde Park. Not any. I know the... Umberto's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. Not yeah. the fake Umberto's, New Hyde Park. All right. So that, that, that was the tough thing for me moving down here. Is you don't have the local pizza place. You don't have the local bagel place. All right. The bagels aren't as good. The pizza's not as good. The bread's not as good because of the water down here. That was the toughest, uh, toughest thing for me. But uh, I think every guy in my hand has that kind of pizza. You have yours, I have mine. Right. Uh, but for me, Carlos Pizza is the, is the best restaurant. I'm going to check it out this weekend. I'm 10 minutes from Port Washington. So. There you go. Go check right. it out. That I will. Be the losers, but I know you've been there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate all the time. And like I said, good luck uh, with the new podcast, Dupotity, every Thursday. And of course, the Dan Lebertard and what is it? The Dan Lebertard show with Stu Gatz every day, ESPN Radio, ESPN TV. And all over the place. Thanks ESPN a lot. ESPN Radio, Sirius yep. XM, ESPN News, ESPN. G. Yeah, I can't keep track of like all the ESPN. It's just, it's you know, at it's SI we're just I, SI, and then ESPN has eighty-seven networks and this <laughs> digital that. I Mike, I, right. they, they send me press releases. This shows on this network. That shows on this. Now ESPN Plus. I'm like, who could keep it straight? <laughs> even though that's my job. All right, take it easy. Right, I appreciate man. it. All right. All right, I feel like we're really friends now. This is fun. This yeah, is now when now when you say on the show, Jimmy Train is a guy I'd like to hang out with, at least now there's some background there. All right, well, after speaking today, do you think that you'd like to hang out with me? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, right, we cool. need we definitely need like a sit down Mike and the Mad Dog like um, you know, discussion for sure. Go through the oh, whole thing. Fine. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Let's make it happen. We'll do it on the All right. Uh, anytime, anytime. We'll have, uh, we'll have some Carlos Pizza, me and you, talk back to the Mad Dog, and uh, we'll get uh, Springsteen together. Sounds, oh, you had me right <laughs> until the end. All right. Oh, well, it's fine. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Jeff. Stu Gotts. Jimmy, I appreciate it. All that right. was a lot of fun, man. Thank, Thank you. Thank so you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, man. Same touch. All right. My thanks to Stu Gotts, a.k.a. John Wiener. First time we've ever spoken. He was great. Really enjoyed getting to know him over the podcast here. And if you're a listener to the Lebertard Show, and you've never heard me, and you listen to this because you know him, now when the drop is played on their show, you know what it's all about. So hopefully you enjoyed the interview, and we will see you next week. Oh, and if you are a new listener coming over from the Stugatz Army, please subscribe to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. That would be a huge help. And anyone else out there, subscribe, rate, review the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. That wraps up this edition. We'll see you next week. I'm Jimmy Trainer. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.